On the resurrection morning when all the dead in Christ shall rise I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal soul in weakness raised in power ready to live in paradise I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed Never of God understand There'll be no more sorrow No, no more pain There'll be no more strife Yes, raising the likeness In of his likeness We're ready to live I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise the Lord I'll have a new life Eternal Free From every imperfection Youthful and happy I shall be Lost in victory I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life oh, yes. I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed Never said There'll be no more sorrow No, no more pain There'll be no more strife Yes, raising the likeness In this likeness ready to live I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life When the last trump of God shall sound I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Eternal grains All bursting saints are shouting Heavenly beauty all around I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Oh yes I'll have a new home Glory, glory, glory With reading of God to stand no more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my sightness. Ready to live, I'll, I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you, friends. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, because you see in him alone, I found forgiveness, peace, joy, happiness. I'm blessed beyond measure, more than I could ever deserve. Welcome. I'm your host, Bruce Kessler. My goal during this process is to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion and life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, we're going to be talking about redeemed from slavery redeemed from slavery but before we get to that study a few things along the way and the first is headline news get this you won't believe it you won't believe this support for an immigration reform plan that includes a pathway to citizenship for those in the country illegally has plummeted within the past decade among white evangelicals who are the only religious demographic to oppose a proposal that has been backed by Republican and Democratic presidents, according to a new survey. That's right, friend, that's right. 
The Public Religion Research Institute poll found that 62% of Americans believe there should be a pathway to citizenship for immigrants living in the country illegally, provided they meet certain requirements. Although Americans' views on this issue have changed little since 2013, when the same question was asked, back then 63% supported it, the opinions of white evangelicals have changed dramatically. Less than half of white evangelicals, 47% support a pathway to citizenship, a nearly double-digit plunge from the 56% who backed it in 2013. Among white evangelicals who attend church weekly, support is even lower, 45%. With the exception of white evangelical Protestants, majorities of all religious groups support a pathway to citizenship for undocumented immigrants, PRRI said in an analyst to this poll. On another question, nearly two-thirds of Americans, 64%, support allowing immigrants brought illegally to the U.S. as children called DREAMers to be given a pathway to citizenship. White evangelicals, 43, 47%, excuse me, and Republicans, 44%, are the only groups that do not support such a plan. Meanwhile, white evangelicals also are the least likely religious demographic to agree with the statement that the growing number of newcomers from other countries strengthens American society. There you go, folks. Evangelicals are the only religious group to oppose immigration citizenship path poll reveals. My, oh my, folks, I wonder what the concern is there. Hmm. Kind of wonder and shake your head a little bit, doesn't it? Well, get this. This is stunning news. South Dakota Governor Christy Noem signed a law barring trans athletes from competing in girls' and women's sports, making South Dakota the 10th state in the U.S. to do so. Senate Bill 46 is about fairness, the governor said. It's about allowing biological females to compete fairly on a level playing field that gives them opportunities for success, she said. Noam's office also pushed back against criticism that last year's bill would result in lawsuits from the NCAA and put the state at risk for losing the ability to hold nationally sanctioned events. Governor Noam is confident the NCAA will not pull events. Look at states with SCC schools that have passed similar legislation. The NCAA has done nothing to threaten their events. Noam's signing of the bill makes her the first governor this year to outlaw trans athletes from competing in female sports. The bill will go into effect July the 1st. There you go, friend. There you go. South Dakota becomes 10th state to ban trans athletes from competing in female sports. Another head shaker on that one, folks. Another head shaker indeed. Well, get this. The eyes of the world may be on Beijing and the 
2022 Winter Olympics, but the head of a religious liberty watchdog says China's persecution of Christians is nevertheless escalating. It's getting worse. David Curry, President of Open Doors, said China is now number 17 on this year's 2022 World Watch list, with which ranks the countries of the world according to the danger level for Christians. The report said that Christians are facing increased pressure from Chinese authorities due partially to the most oppressive and sophisticated surveillance system in the world. The government knows that it cannot stamp out the nation's Christians because there's 96 million Christians in China. But they are slowly strangling Christian faith and they are doing it with high-tech surveillance. They watch and they track everybody in what they're doing through facial recognition and other things. Imagine if the IRS owned every camera in every restaurant on every street in America. We would be very concerned that, our, that the IRS has that capability. China has that plus other means of surveillance. So they have the ability to track and to score behavior. Christians in China must attend government-approved churches that face heavy regulations, such as editing of sermons. Because of that, many Christians attend illegal underground churches. Curry summarizes a surveillance strategy like this. These two citizens are going to church too often. Therefore, they're not good communists. Therefore, they should lose their job. They can't fly. They're on a no-fly list. All they did was go to a Bible study. That's happening right now in China. Also, folks, Chinese law does not allow children under the age of 18 to attend church. So parents either have to discipline themselves or sneak them into some sort of Bible study. What happens in this case is that kids may not be led into college of their choice if they attend a Bible study. They may not get jobs. The parents may lose their jobs. So there's repercussions for this sort of actions. The pandemic has also given the government an excuse to persecute. Although all churches closed during the pandemic, some churches were forced to remain closed once restrictions began to lift and were quietly phased out. There you go, folks. There you go. China bans kids from attending church, threatens parents who break law. Mm, folks, we need to pray for those Christians in China. What a world which we live in, folks. We need to pray that the truth will remain firm and steadfast and people will stay the course. And that's our headline news for this broadcast. And now this day in church history. Francis Habergal was a noted 19th century British hymn writer. Ill most of her life, she died at 42, delighted that she would soon see Jesus.
one of her best known hymns begins, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. She wrote to a friend, perhaps you will be interested to know the origin of the consecration hymn, Take My Life. I went for a little visit of five days to the hourly house. There were ten persons in the house, some unconverted and long prayed for, some converted but not rejoicing Christians. God gave me the prayer, Lord, give me all in this house, and he just did. Before I had left the house, everyone had got a blessing. The last night of my visit, I was too happy to sleep and passed most of the night in praise and renewal of my own consecration. And these little couplets formed themselves and chimed in my heart one after another till they finished with ever only all to, the, to thee. The date was February the 4th, 1874. Among the 11 verses she wrote that night were the two that I quote right now. Take my life and make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, my poor, at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself, and I will be ever only all for thee. And that's this day in church history. And now, folks, we have a little bit of fun with Name That Bible Character. Here is your clue. Here is your clue. The Gospel of John has no information on the birth of Jesus. Other than the word who is Jesus, I am the first person introduced. Who am I? Here's your clue one more time. The Gospel of John has no information on the birth of Jesus. Other than the Word, who is Jesus, I am the first person introduced. Who am I? We'll reveal the answer to that tantalizing clue following our study segment. So stay tuned, folks, for that exciting reveal in our final segment of Name that Bible character. And now, folks, get your Bibles. Pull up a chair. Get your hot cup of coffee. I have mine right here with me. And let's open up God's fantastic and powerful Word. Friend, I've been embarked on a reading program, and I had the wonderful opportunity to Reread the story of the ten plagues. And uh, so I wanted to just touch on a few things that just came to my mind as I was reading through this. So the, the, uh, the title of our study for this broadcast is called Redeemed from Slavery. In fact, in chapter 5, you remember that Pharaoh started making the Hebrews start to make bricks without straw. And uh, Moses came back complaining to God, bringing back the fact that their labor and toil was even worse than before. 
in chapter 6 of Exodus, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Amen, folks. Verse 6, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will bring you to a land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Amen, folks. Glory. Hallelujah. And so we then begin this powerful demonstration of God's dynamic power and judgment as he begins to um, work these powerful plagues against a hard-hearted Pharaoh. And for me, this all represented, Pharaoh did, really is a good representation of Satan. And Moses is a great here representation of who then becomes, for us, Jesus Christ. And uh, it just was a beautiful thing to see. Exodus chapter 10 and verse 2 says that as they were instituting the Passover, and you remember the last plague was the uh, destroy, God came with the destroyer to kill all of the firstborn, instituted the Passover and uh, consecration of the firstborn. And so in Exodus chapter 10, in verse 2, God said that as this would be a reminder every year on this month, on this particular day, on this week, that you would tell your children and grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians, how I performed my signs among them, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Amen. These were powerful demonstrations of God's judgment. It wasn't just a judgment just on Pharaoh. In fact, in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 12, it says, On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. Just think of the numerous uh, little gods that existed. Idols, snakes, beetles, all of that kind of sort of little gods they created. And this was a demonstration of God's judgment on all the gods of Egypt. 
Exodus chapter 13 verse 14 says that in the days to come when your son asks you what does all this mean, you will say to him, with a mighty hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Mm. Folks, what a great, great, grand story of God delivering the children out of the hands of Pharaoh and the Egyptians through the demonstration of powerful visions and acts of, of, of miracles of the ten plagues to bring judgment, to cause Pharaoh to see who is the most powerful God of all gods. And this really made me start to realize how great and how mighty Christ is. Think of the powerful vision of the Passover as it was instituted as God told them that they needed to uh, sacrifice a perfect lamb and they were to uh, spread the blood over the doorposts of their homes so that the destroyer, as it came to render judgment on the firstborn, would pass over. God would see the blood and pass over. What a powerful demonstration that is of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who all this really pointed to. In Isaiah chapter 53, in verse 4, it says, Surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his, her shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Amen, folks. It was John in John chapter 1. In verse 29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. Beautiful imagery, beautiful connection to the story that we find in Exodus. In chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, and 12. Again, we find this in Romans chapter 3, in verse 25. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. 
And then finally, what connects this all together is simply this, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So just as the children of Israel were led to victory, redeemed by the powerful hand of God from slavery. God defeated, made a statement against Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God made a statement against Satan on the cross of Calvary, on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And His blood covers us, cleanses us, redeems us from slavery. What a powerful reminder that each and every Sunday we're to look back to those events on the cross. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. What a beautiful truth that we find in the story of the ten plagues and the redemption of the children of Israel from slavery. Folks, there are today people who are oppressed, people who are imprisoned, people who are weary, people who are enslaved in sin. Our independence is found in Jesus Christ. Our righteousness, our justification is solely in the blood of Jesus Christ. And today we can live in total freedom and in His grace because of His great sacrifice. Friend, the one question that we all need to be sure of is are we covered with the precious blood of Jesus? When God comes, taking judgment on all those who do not know Christ will he see the blood of Christ or will he see us standing alone and that's our study for this broadcast and now folks we have the conclusion to name that Bible character. Here was your clue. The Gospel of John has no information on the birth of Jesus other than the word, who is Jesus? I am the first person introduced. Who am I? Well, it was John the Baptist. John chapter 1 verse 6. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The Gospel of John has no information on the birth of Jesus other than the Word, who is Jesus. I am the first person introduced. Who am I? 
John the Baptist and named that Bible character. Well, folks, you too can become a part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ. You can submit your life over to him in repentance and submitting your life to him in baptism. You receive forgiveness, a blessing that passes all understanding. My goal here is very simple. That is to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Visit our website, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Well, friend, I just want to tell you this. What a privilege and an honor it's been for me to have you walking along my side here in this show. May God bless you. Down in my heart there rings a melody. I know not why I sing in peaceful glee. joy it fills, and storms that beat upon my soul it stills. Oh, what a joy to sing that song again. It thrills my soul to feel God's love within. I'm glad His grace on me He did bestow. Please tell me more that I His love may show. Please tell me more how Jesus died for me, how His great love from sin can make us free. Tell how our debt he paid on Calvary. Oh, tell me more, I want to know. Tell me of Christ, the cross I'm told to bear. And of his love and joys he said I'd share. Tis my desire, His love in me to show. Please tell me more, for more I long to know. Please tell me more, how Jesus died for me. How His great love from sin can make us free. Tell how our dead he paid on Calvary. Oh, tell me more, I want to know. Oh, tell me more, I want to
Thank you, friend, for walking with me. Come to Christ and be set free. Thank you, friend, for listening to me. Come to Christ and be set free.